Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 21st, 2018. And we have a huge 15-game slate today. So the way that Matt and I are going to break this down, we're not going to really go through every viable pitching option in offense. We talked to each other for a really long time before we started, mostly about nonsense, but some about DFS also. And we're going to try to just pick out a couple high-priced pitchers, a couple of value pitchers, and then we'll just get into our favorite offenses to target. If we tried to go at every single pitcher that we thought had upside or every offense that has upside, we'd be throwing out like 30 options. So just going to try to focus on what we think the best plays are. So starting at the high-end pitching options, there's a lot of guys here. We have Syndergaard, Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer, a lot of the best pitchers in baseball. So, Matt, who do you like from this tier? And coincidentally, it's going to be the same people that I like. Yeah, uh, how I feel about Kershaw to start with is going to be dependent, again, on Anthony Rendon's status. Um, So I like Kershaw no matter what, but my exposure to him will be less if Rendon plays. Um, So we're going to list about four or five pitchers to use. I think that Kershaw is not going to be my highest owned guy either way, but maybe a 30 or 40% Kershaw exposure if Rendon is in and then like 50 or 60% uh, if Rendon is out. Do you think that that sort of breakdown makes sense? Well, here's uh, one caveat to that. This game starts at 10-10. It is the last game on the slate. I highly doubt, well, I wouldn't say highly doubt. I'll say I think it's questionable whether we get an update on Rendon prior to lock or not, and I think it's probably more likely we don't than we do. So my feeling on Kershaw is this. I prefer Verlander for 12000 They're playing the White Sox, really favorable matchup. They strike out a lot. They're not very good against right-handed, hit, uh, right-handed pitching. Uh, he's also very likely to get the win bonus in that game because we don't know who's starting for the White Sox today except we know that it's not going to be a good starting pitcher. They don't have some great pitcher that they're going to dig up out of nowhere. So whether it ends up being James Shields or some other just shitty pitcher, Ver, uh, Verlander is going to be the biggest favorite on the slate. So I prefer Verlander, but I think Kershaw still warrants exposure to uh, just because Kershaw is still probably the best pitcher in baseball. He is averaging um, about... 26 fantasy points per start so far this year. He went for over 40 last time out against Arizona. I I think he's probably going to be the highest scoring fantasy pitcher in baseball again this season. So I I think that it's a lean to me towards Verlander with some Kershaw in the high end. And that's kind of where I stand. And the whether Rendon is active or not doesn't really impact it too much for me just because I think Kershaw is so good. Yeah, that's that's sort of fair. But I think it's close enough for me between Verlander and Kershaw because of the matchup that I'd, I'd lean Kershaw. I guess it's just easier to frame it this way. I lean Kershaw over Verlander if Rendon is out, but I lean Verlander over Kershaw if Rendon is in. But either way, I think the breakdown is going to be about 50-50 between Kershaw and Verlander for both of us. Um, and then most of the rest of our pitching exposure is going to be occupied by the next guy, and that's Chris Archer. So do you think that sort of breakdown makes sense. Well, I guess there are two guys in the mid-tier to talk about. So uh, to start with Archer, um, looking through his batted ball profile, his peripherals, his basically everything, velocity numbers, he's exactly the same as he was last year. And he's just gotten ridiculously unlucky with batting average on balls in play. It's I think it's about, I lost the page, but it was like 370 or so. Just a very unlucky start to the season for him. Archer's also way better at home. 8,800 is way below his baseline. 
Um, so you, do you think Archer is by far the best pitching choice on this slate? Because I'm, I, I know there are decent choices elsewhere, but I'm almost considering just having Archer in every lineup because that's the clear and obvious value on the slate. Yeah, I don't know if I go 100% Archer uh, just because I also like Sonny Gray at 7,700. So I certainly think that it would be viable to do some lineups with Verlander and Sonny Gray or Kershaw and Sonny Gray. Uh, I don't think that I would be all in on Archer. I do think Archer would be my highest owned pitcher. If I had to say the amount of exposure I'm going to have to pitchers tomorrow, it's probably going to be Archer as the highest owned, Verlander the second, uh, Kershaw the third, and then Sonny Gray the fourth. Uh, But I think it's pretty evenly split between those last three guys, uh, with Archer still definitely being my primary option. Like you said, uh, Archer a little bit unlucky so far this year. Still, 8800 pretty cheap for him. He Even his bad outings this year. So he's the one really bad game, the negative seven fantasy points against the Phillies. But but other than the point game against the White Sox, 14 against the Yankees, 13 against the Red Sox. Those are really tough matchups against the Red Sox and the Yankees. They do 14 and 13 fantasy points in. So if we're just looking at those first three starts and taking out the negative seven fantasy point game, we're still talking about him averaging around 16 fantasy points per game in pretty tough matchups at 8,800. If, if we're saying that that's kind of like a oh, uh, worst possible result for him, like that's not even that bad. Archer was pretty regularly around 11,000 or so, if I remember last year. So 8,800, I'm definitely on board with him. Twins, not a very tough matchup and really significant home road splits. Archer is always much better at home. Yeah, Archer is by far my favorite pitcher, but I'm kind of torn here on Sonny Gray compared to the other high-end guys. Like, I think the two pitchers with the most value are Archer and Gray, but because it's a 15-game slate, even though we like an expensive offense, there's always cheap plugs on giant slates, and this is the biggest slate possible with every team playing on it. Um, so it might be it might not be necessary to use Archer and Gray too much as a combination because we don't need to save the salary. Um, But just dollar for dollar, I think that is the primary combination uh, that we should use. So, I don't know, my exposure probably will look something like 80-something percent Archer. And then, yeah, like you said, everyone else kind of mixed in a similar amount. Um, So like 40% of everyone else. Uh, but ideally we could find bats that we like enough to spend up for where Archer and Gray is our most used combination because it's pretty clear that those two guys are the best values. And Sonny Gray's been really unlucky this year too. Um, His peripherals look fine. It's kind of the same deal as Archer where batting average on balls in play has been bad and he's just been unlucky. So I like Gray a lot. I like Archer a lot. And it may not even be totally necessary to use too much of Kershaw and Verlander. Yeah, another thing that's been nice about Sonny Gray so far this year, so the ERA 6.92 is way high. He does have a 2.65 FIP this year, which <clears throat> definitely indicates the unluckiness. But he's striking out over 10 hitters per nine innings. So he's not going to keep that up, except he's able to generate the strikeouts right now, which is still a pretty encouraging sign. Last I looked, his velocity was up a little bit. His swinging strike percentage is tied for a career high at 11.9%. So I'm not too concerned about Sonny Gray's ERA to start the season. I think he's a good play tomorrow. So getting into the offenses, we don't know who's pitching for the White Sox, but it's hard to really reason using too many offenses other than the Astros. So why don't you touch on them for a second? Yeah, the Astros are not that expensive. Uh, kind of just standard Altuve, Springer, Correa, all right around 5000 
Uh, no one's more than 5,100. And the White Sox have probably the worst bullpen in baseball. They're they're certainly in the conversation for it. The Royals' bullpen's pretty bad. The Marlins' bullpen's bad. But I think the White Sox' bullpen is the worst. Um, and it's also uh, it's a little bit worse than the overall numbers would suggest in games where they're losing because they're good pitchers. Well, they have one good reliever. It's Nate Jones. Uh, but he only pitches in games where the White Sox have the lead. He's their closer. Uh, the long relievers they have, like if Hector Santiago pitches again, um, it, it's really bad. So it doesn't matter who starts. I think we hope it's James Shields. That would be the best possible scenario. Um, maybe they bring Mike Pelfrey out of retirement for this game. Uh, no matter who it is, though, it's going to be someone bad. So, yeah, this this is a really strong matchup. Um, it'd be nice if the wind were a little better. Uh, it looks like a neutral wind. But the Astros' offense is really good. The White Sox pitching is really bad. Um, and then we also get this slight added boost of the Astros being the away team with nine guaranteed at-bats. And it usually doesn't matter too much, uh, but that's a little bit of an extra advantage that some of the other teams we like don't have because uh, we're generally targeting home, home teams because they do have home field advantage. So nine guaranteed at-bats against terrible pitching and all these hitters are great. Uh, yeah, the Astros are clearly the best offense to use. Yeah, I agree, and I just plugged in. If you use the top five Astros hitters with Gray and Archer, it leaves you with 3300 leftover salary for the other three spots. So if you want to go up to Verlander, it would probably mean you leave off one of Altuve, Correa, or Springer and go down to either like Gurriel or Gaddis or something at catcher. Like That's what you would have to do to get in uh, Verlander with Archer. So th- that would be the situation where you'd use the gray and archer combos if you want to go just the top five hitters to get in all the really expensive Astros bats. Uh, other offenses that I think are interesting, worth rostering, um, the Texas Rangers tomorrow at home against Felix Hernandez. Hernandez has really struggled this year. The Astros are, I mean, the uh, Rangers are fairly cheap, so I think that they make sense as plugs. Once again, though, I'd rather just stack the Astros, but looking for cheap secondary options. What do you think of the Rangers? Yeah, the only problem there is the wind. Uh, we're looking at a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind blowing in. Uh, if that changes, like if this game had a neutral wind, I actually think you could argue that the Rangers are a better offense to use than the Astros because Felix Hernandez has been awful this year. He's been getting worse over the last few years. He doesn't throw very hard anymore. He's been incredibly hittable. Um, so I would probably like the Texas Rangers offense the most, uh, but the wind is concerning. So yeah, I think it could be Astros stack with Rangers plugs um, unless the wind changes. And the Mariners on the other side of that game against Mike Miner, um, I know you had mentioned Miner's stats before. I thought he was actually better than uh, what I'm realizing now because he's giving up a ton of fly balls. So I don't know, maybe Miner gets helped here by the wind because it's going to be hard to hit home runs, but Felix Hernandez is going to give up a ton of hard-hit line drives. Even without home runs, the Rangers should do well against him. And Joey Gallo has enough power where I'm not really concerned about the wind for him. Uh, so yeah, this is this is probably the second game to prioritize, and it could become the first priority, I think, if uh, maybe the wind changes directions for tomorrow or at least neutralizes, because uh, it is Texas. It is a hitter's park. Even this early in the year, it's still a slight hitter's park. So I think this is a game we should be heavily targeting also. Yeah, and then one final thought. There is a Coors game on the slate tomorrow. 
there's always upside for cores games, except that is contingent on the game actually playing. So for tomorrow's slate, it looks like there's a pretty good chance of rain and overall just shitty weather in that game. For cores tomorrow, we have a 50% chance of rain basically throughout the game, turning into a 70% chance of rain later in the night. Temperatures of 40 degrees. So this looks like pretty crappy hitting conditions in a game that could potentially be, be rained out. The pitchers in this game are not terrible. It's John Gray against uh, who is it? Kyle Hendricks. So I'm kind of hoping we just have shitty weather tomorrow and this could be a really avoidable situation we don't have to target and hopefully it gets canceled because Cubs, I mean not Cubs, Rockies games at Coors Field always have the potential to blow up a slate because the team could score 20 runs there because it's a ridiculous hitting environment and the Rockies offense generally sucks against right-handed pitching so it's really difficult to figure out. I'm definitely leaning right now towards just ignoring the Coors game. Uh, is that where you're at also? I'll pretend I don't know the answer. <laughs> uh, well, I think you you don't know it completely. Um, I mostly agree with you, but there are some cheap hitters on both of these teams where I think plugs from this game make sense. So just to start with the guys below 4,000, because Carlos Gonzalez is 4,200. I would like him, but he's day-to-day. Um, he was hurt on Wednesday... I'm not sure if he's playing or not. So I'd like him if he's in. But Addison Russell, 3,900. Albert Almora could be starting. He's 3,200. Paris, 32. Hayward's 3,000. Uh, Ryan McMahon has been starting some of the time. He's only 2,800. Uh, maybe we get Tommy Lestella starting at 2,600. So this game could be a really good source of plugs if the weather holds up. I don't really want to spend 56 and 5,500 for Blackman and Bryant. Uh, so we're in agreement there. I think the expensive guys aren't really worth using because the Astros are just better picks. And the hitting conditions are just not as good as they usually are because it's cold and rainy. But I think plugs from this game make sense. So are you on board with kind of like whatever cheap guys are batting near the top of the lineup from this game? Yeah, I just don't think there's going to be many cheap guys in the Cubs lineup because Anthony Rizzo's back now. So Rizzo at first, Contreras probably a catcher. Um Ben Zobrist has been out, except I think that he could be back in the lineup, which probably bumps guys like Almora or Tommy Lastella to not being able to play. Uh, Baez is all the way up to 4,800 now. I just don't really think that there's going to be any cheap guys in the Cubs lineup. Yeah, I guess in non-Korea lineups, I like Addison Russell at 3,900, and I think Gerardo Parra with... Um... I guess he starts most days anyway, but especially if Gonzalez is out, he'll probably be batting near the top of the lineup. So he would be one of my favorite plugs at 3,200. But I guess, yeah, there's not too much to say about this game because it might get rained out anyway. Uh, The game that has my favorite source of plugs is the Marlins. So it's not really the Brewers' side. Uh, Trevor Richards was good in the minor leagues, even though he never pitched in AAA, uh, was called straight up to the majors from AA this year, and has been somewhat decent. And also the Brewers are pretty expensive. So I think... The Brewers would be worth considering where you have the salary. Like Travis Shaw, 3,800 against a righty who is maybe mediocre. Uh, and the you can make Astro stacks without Bregman. I think we both do that quite a bit because Bregman is pretty overrated. So I like Travis Shaw a lot. Um, but Julius Chassin is one of the most extreme splits pitchers in baseball. Uh, he's got peripherals around 4 to 5 against righties, but his FIP and XFIP are around 8 this year against lefties. And it's kind of the same story last year. Um, except this year he's just kind of worse against everybody. So we have Justin Bohr at 3,000 and Derek Dietrich, who's been leading off. Uh, where I can't even find him. He's so cheap. Uh, okay, 3,200. So Dietrich and Bohr 
um, might be preferred plug options to the Coors game. Uh, what do you think of those guys? Uh, Dietrich, yeah, Dietrich let off today. I would be fine with him. And Justin Bohr, as I've said before, I just think he's a really good hitter. It's a really good spot for him at a cheap price. And the other thing that's also nice about him is that generally none of the Astros guys are core first basemen. So Guriel is first base eligible, but he's also third base eligible. So it's it's pretty easy to have a Astro stack either with Bregman or Guriel at third or neither of them in the lineup and Bohr as the first baseman. So I like Justin Bohr a lot for his price. So do you think you'll roster any other first baseman besides um, Guriel, Joey Gallo, and Justin Bohr? Because those seem like the only three first basemen I would even want to use. Um, I'm not sure because it depends who else plays. I wouldn't definitively say yes or no. I do think that those guys are the, the best options for right now, though. Yeah, I guess I'll briefly mention two other teams because this is probably, yeah, there, there's so many things to cover. We're not going to get to all the teams, but the Cardinals are at home against Brandon Finnegan. So if there's another first baseman, Jose Martinez is pretty cheap. I think the Cardinals are a good source for plugs. And then the Red Sox are in Oakland with the wind blowing out against Kendall Graveman. <clears throat> so that's a really strong spot. Their prices are insane, though. Uh, I still, I mean, Devers is going to be so popular, but it is a 15-game slate. He's only 4000 Betts, 5,700. J.D. Martinez, 52. Um, I have no interest in the Red Sox as a stack for those prices, but would you roster the cheaper guys as plugs? Yeah, I mean, there just aren't really, there really aren't that many cheaper guys to choose from. I, I think that Devers is a fine option. He's hitting the ball well so far this year, and he was a really highly regarded prospect. Uh, so I'm fine with Devers, but overall, most of the Red Sox are just way too expensive, and I think the Astros are better plays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, especially if James Shields is pitching. I mean, we it's hard to really like an offense that much when we don't know who the pitcher is going to be against them, but I think we can be pretty confident in saying it'll be someone bad. So yeah, heavy Astros for this slate and diversified pitching, I guess. Okay, so that will finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, DFS. Matt Storhandle is at Preaching Sense. Have a good weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.